the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. And he's here to say good afternoon. Welcome. Gee, great to have you along with us here on this Thursday edition of Lifeline. We're kind of closing in on the end of the month of September. Friday, of course, tomorrow the 30th. And uh, Saturday, we'll start a brand new final quarter of the year. And before you know it, Christmas will be here. (laughs) I'm sorry if I've just made you feel very uncomfortable thinking of how fast it will come. But it will be here certainly before we... We know it. And in the meanwhile, you know, you take a look around at what's been going on in our nation. This has been a rough year. We thought that COVID in 2020 was challenging. But then looking at the aftermath of COVID and other events, my goodness, we've got some of the highest interest rates that the nation has seen in almost 30 years, the highest inflation that we've seen in 40 years, political division at multiple layers, both at the state and federal level. And I think ultimately the nation at the core is crying out for answers. The most important question is, who's going to be there to lead them? How will they hear unless there be a preacher to share the word, right? As, as the scripture um, reminds us. And so with that thought in mind, when we look at challenging times like this, and certainly this nation has been through many cycles of challenging times in our 250-year-plus history, every time that there have been critical moments, we have generally turned to the church, turned to the word, turn to God in seeking solutions and seeking answers. This time around, it seems to be a bit different. And as I've been discussing with our first guest tonight, um, it, it almost seems as if we've lost a little bit of our compass. And the church, I think, in in some respects, um, is is seeking answers in areas where they just simply don't lie. And And, and by that, I mean... At the end of the day, our only hope, our only salvation lies in Jesus Christ. And so many of the problems that we're seeing in America today all have spiritual answers. But we have to seek out spiritual solutions. You look at the crime, for example, and they'll tell you, well, this is a result of what's happening in the economy. Well, is it really? Do do poor people just go and rob and steal? Or is it more a reflection of what's happening in the heart? Is it more of a sin issue? And if a sin issue, then what's the answer for that? What's the only solution for sin? Well, sin, of course, separation from God. God wishes that we would be reunited to him, so he provided his son to pay the penalty on our behalf, so that in him and through him we might be forgiven, reconciled unto the Father. Old things pass away, 
all things becoming new in our life and become a new creature in Christ Jesus. But if that isn't the core message that the church is teaching, then how can we expect the world around us to change? I'm going to argue that we oftentimes try to bring political solutions or debate or logic and reasoning to uniquely spiritual problems. But I think God would have us to turn to his word, to turn to him. And in a Second Chronicles 7.14 fashion, also recognize that judgment begins in the house of the Lord. And that it is the church that first and foremost, as the Bible says, my people who are called by my name should humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, and get this, and heal the land. Please note it doesn't indicate what political party you should belong to, nor whom you should vote for. Not to say that that's not important. I've preached that mantra for 30 years on this program. We need to be engaged in this process of self-governance. But first and foremost, the solution that we seek, the message that we preach, must be the Word of God. And so with that spirit in mind, um, we've got a special guest joining us today in studio that has really been actively helping to teach others to, to pray, to humble, to be on our face before God, and to seek the Lord to provide the kind of solution that we need as a nation and as a world. Because if we hope to ever survive, if we hope to reach others for Christ, this is the only solution. Joining me today in studio is the founder of Potter's Ministries. He's been engaged in the arena of encouraging revival and what revival prayer is all about for many years now. And Pastor Sarah Ryan, always great to have you with us. It's a great honor to be here, Craig. Let's talk a bit about your perspective. You've heard mine in relationship to so much of what's been going on in our country today. And when we add the, the, the fear, the sense of our own mortality based on the COVID pandemic mm. over the last couple of years, then we look at the ensuing economic crisis, the division amongst so many people. You know, we always had debates between uh, liberals and conservatives, Democrats and Republicans, but now we seem to be at each other's throats. Yeah. And and the one thing that, that we seem to have lost track of is those elements which made our nation great. We want to return America to greatness. But I'm going to suggest that if we want to see America great again, the first step in that process is to see America become godly again. Because our greatness... Um, is really enshrined in our godliness, and yet that yeah. aspect of the message seems to be lost. It has been lost, uh, Craig. It's unfortunate, but I think the uh, there are some voices in the nation that are encouraging uh, turning back uh, to God and turning away from our wicked ways, as you mentioned. And in fact, there was a French philosopher who visited America. I think it was in the late eighteen hundreds. And I forget the name, but uh, he said uh, the success of America is because of the fiery pulpits mm -hmm. in America. And so he assessed everything. He went through the entire nation. And that's so true. And now we see, uh, instead of fiery pulpits, uh, you know, cold full pulpits, if you will. And uh, if I may use that term and in a generic manner, obviously there are some fiery pulpits, but 
overall in a broad paint brush we can say that the church uh, has been in a slumber mode and not really active not really being at the center of the community uh, which is what it used to be and i think we have to bring that message back where the word of god becomes central one more time and god becomes central one more time for the nation so i think that's the only solution for the crisis that we face and and we must uh, encourage the people uh, to awaken if you will we need the third grade awakening craig and that's the only solution i see for the crisis that the nation is facing and continues to face and we see uh, it is going literally in a rapid pace in the wrong direction Alexis de Tocqueville was the name you were looking for, That's who good. was both Thank a you. French philosopher yeah. um, and at one time was French foreign minister. And you're right, in the in the 1800s, he traveled from France to America, um, uh, largely on a diplomatic mission, traveling the country, yeah. attended many of our churches, and concluded as he looked at the overall American experience that was still very young, I mean, barely, barely 100 years old at that point, mm-hmm. and basically said, I've looked at America from top to bottom and determined that the greatness of America lies in her pulpits and in the truth that was being preached from the pulpits and in the uncompromised proclamation of God's word. And, you know, if we use that as the yardstick, as the definition of America's greatness, then you're right. I think it's a time for we as a nation, and particularly the church, Mm -hmm. to not only repent, but also to really recognize that any solution that is compartmentalized or somehow removed from dealing with the basics of the effect of sin, separation from God, the need for repentance, the need for surrendering to God, the, the whole aspect of, you know, as Billy Sunday used to say, the, the, the understanding sin, salvation, and sanctification, and how all of those sort of work in, in harmony, that we recognize our sin, we confess our sins, we surrender our life to Christ, mm-hmm. we are now saved, but then there from salvation is is the, the lifelong process of sanctification. Paul talked about working out your own salvation, meaning dying to the flesh daily and, and understanding the importance of, of seeking God's will and seeking his face every day, and to have yourself immersed in that book that you have open in front of you right now, God's Word. Sadly, I think we've tried to yeah. kind of skirt around, we've tried to take mm-hmm. shortcuts. Uh, sometimes we think that, well, if we use lots of encouraging platitudes and um, self-help style preaching, that that somehow will help make people feel better. But if you haven't dealt with the core issue of sin, there's there's no amount of pretty language that's ever going to relieve you from the sense of guilt and shame that we have as a result of the conviction of the Holy Spirit because of our spiritual state. And then to move beyond that, and this really gets to the core of what you've been involved with, to really go before the throne of grace and say, Father, we, we need revival yeah. on our land. We need an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we've been through Absolutely. two great awakenings. Now we really need God to bring about a third great awakening. And and I suppose so much of that is really going to come about only once we get on our knees and stay on our knees. Am I right? Absolutely. Um, We must have a third great awakening. There is no question. But even before that, the church has to be revived. And awakening really means uh, the awareness of God community-wide, including believers and unbelievers. But 
but we need a revival in our churches and mm-hmm. and second chronicles 7:14 is uh, is the verse for revival and isaiah 64:1 is the verse for revival the presence of the lord has to come and we cannot be uh, preaching seeker sensitive Uh, concepts if you will we must be preaching repentance and and that's the key because if you really look at uh, the core verse for redigging the wells of revival conference that is coming up on october 1st is genesis 26 and 18 it talks about isaac dug again the wells that were dug during the days of his father abraham and the philistines had stopped them up and the problem is the philistines have stopped up the revival wells and and all the issues we see in the nation i don't even have to say it we all know that uh, it is filth and it has stopped up those revival wells and if you look at uh, the word again in genesis 26:18 dug again that word is shub and in second chronicles 7:14 the word turn is shub that means we must turn away from our wicked ways that means we must repent to redig the wells of revival and so repentance is the key message uh, to redig the wells without a doubt and and repentance doesn't really mean just feeling sorry for our sin but turning away and turning to to the god of the bible you, you mentioned about the, the notion of 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 how worn and tired out this notion of seeker sensitive churches i was reading a blog post the other day i'll share this quick my engineer is going to get after me in a second but i got to share this i was reading a blog post the other day from a pastor of a fairly prominent church i won't name which one but the gist of the post was and it kind of set me back on my heels he was saying that we are repenting from the idea of being a welcoming church and i thought wow that's a pretty bold statement i mean now what are we talking about becoming closed in and and we're shutting out the outside community and we're we're not interested in outreach or evangelism well that wasn't his point at all his point was nowhere in scripture does it say to be welcoming but it does say to be inviting in fact you might even take it a step further we're compelled to go out into the highways and byways and compel them to come in so just hanging out a welcome sign is not necessarily going to bring them in yeah. but if you are inviting them to come in if there's a sense of 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 active engagement again back to that notion of compelling people to come in. Yeah. And I'm afraid as the church sometimes we think today that well we we don't want to come across too strong. We don't want to be overpowering. Uh, we kind of buy into this notion that well some people have a very private faith and they don't like to share their faith or they want to don't want to push their faith upon somebody else. Mm-hmm. I got to tell you if I was in a building and it was on fire and I didn't know it, I would want somebody to come and do me the favor to bang on my door, to scream at the top of the lungs get out before you perish. Yeah. And I think that needs to be the message of urgency in the church today. We've watched with COVID in less than a 2-year period of time over 1 million fellow Americans lose their lives to COVID. Mm. And I oftentimes wonder how many of them went into eternity without Christ. And what is my role in that failure that if they never heard the gospel I should be held accountable for that. Absolutely. And boy, that sense then, yeah, there's a lot for the church to be repented of. Um 
and the notion of calling upon God to reawaken, to rekindle the fire in the belly of the church and to get a renewed sense of urgency because, you know, not to turn our conversation today into, you know, lessons on eschatology, but if there was ever a sense that Christ's return seems ever imminent, I feel like it's like it's today. I think we are in the last of the last days, but I really feel before the Lord comes back, there is going to be a global revival. Great harvest, and, absolutely. Uh, there is going to be a great harvest, and and we cannot just be a status quo church. We have to understand that these are the last days, and there is the urgency that you talked about, and to evangelize, and to outreach, and to share the gospel, and to live a lifestyle of evangelism. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't mean that you go on outreach, but you are up living a lifestyle of evangelism and more than that I think more than really outreaching I feel prayer is the central focus right now and it has to be because when revival comes as we cry out to the Lord with desperation with urgency with sacrifice and with travail we'll see the presence of the Lord come and we have seen revivals uh, in yesteryears and Hebrides when the presence comes the conviction of the heart is automatic. Mm -hmm. You don't even need to preach the gospel. So that's my point. We must look at what is priority right now. And I feel the urgency and the need of the hour is crying out to the Lord with desperation for a move of God that will win. The souls will be one. That will be uh, the immediate next step that happens. Because I was reading an article just about Hebrides' revival uh, recently, just a couple of days back. And the presence of the Lord was so strong there that the sailors coming in, in the islands were repenting of their sin. Nobody was preaching the gospel to them. And that's what we need. Because then we can see millions of souls saved. Because if it's a human effort, I'm not saying outreach is not important. Outreach is important. But if we have revival then millions will be saved. Well, and all of this at the end of the day really turns upon the Holy Spirit. The yeah. Holy Spirit is he that convicts the heart of sin. Yes. We can deliver the message, we can share the gospel, but the Holy Spirit must be that active participant. Exactly. Otherwise, repentance doesn't happen, happen and salvation doesn't happen. Yeah. And I think that, that, that God will get serious with us when we get serious with him. Yeah. And the church, if, if we're going to be able to handle revival, meaning once they come to Christ and, and, and have repented, now somebody's got to be there to disciple and to train them up and to introduce them into prayer and scripture reading and, and so they can learn about this relationship that they have with God. But if the church isn't equipped to do that, I could easily see God saying, hey, I, I, you're waiting on me. I'm waiting on you. The sooner the church gets on its knees yeah. and repents and takes God seriously, I believe the faster we'll see God intervene in the affairs of men and bring about that revival that you speak of. We're in studio today with... Reverend Cyril Rayan. He is the founder of Potter's Ministries, also founding pastor of The Blessing in San Jose. We'll talk a bit about that as well. Information available online, by the way, at wellsofrevival.us. That's wellsofrevival.us. There's going to be a very special prayer event coming up on October 1st in just a few days. We'll tell you more about that, how you can participate and get involved as our conversation continues here on this Thursday edition of Lifeline from KFAX. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. And we're back to the conversation. 
Brother Sarah Ryan with me today in studio, founder of Potter's Ministries, founding pastor of The Blessing in San Jose. We're talking about redigging the wells of revival, and there's going to be a special gathering and prayer service coming up on October the 1st at 9 a.m. We're going to give you more details about that in a moment. Meanwhile, you can get information on the web at wellsofrevival.us. That's wellsofrevival.us. We were just talking off the air, uh, Pastor Rain, about the notion that if you want to reach the world for Christ, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts, the San Francisco Bay Area is probably the most uniquely poised to do just that. Because as all of us that live here and call this home know, you go to work, you take your kids to school, you go out your front door, look to the neighbors to the right. Every tribe, every tongue, every language from every continent is represented here. And the capacity that we have to be vision casters, to be world changers, to be world influencers, all resides right here. And I've got to believe that one of the reasons why we've seen so much pushback, so much resistance by the enemy, I mean, 4% of the capital in the Bay Area attends church with any sense of regularity, only 4%. You look at that and say, is that a sense of resistance or is that a sense of the enemy putting up a fight because he knows that if God changes the Bay Area and we surrender ourselves to Christ, the capacity of this region to influence the entire world for the sake of the gospel is absolutely phenomenal if the church will only wake up and recognize that fact. I think what you said is so true. Um, My understanding is within a radius of 25 miles, we have more than 150 nations represented. And you are right on. We, if we can reach... I shouldn't say if, when we reach, uh, because I don't, we have to declare and decree certain times. When we reach uh, the nations around us, uh, we will reach the nations of the world. And that's why, and I really believe Bay Area, Silicon Valley has the anointing uh, to take things global. I mean, look at businesses that have gone global from here. It's just, there is an anointing upon a region. And why not revival is the question. Uh, I am asking, you know, why not revival? And that's why it becomes important for the church. And the good news, Craig, is we don't need all the churches to join us. Because if you study revivals, you know, this was a great moment of uh, revelation for me, maybe 15 years back. And I used to think we need to uh, have everyone on board. But we don't need stadium events to see revival. All we need is a small group of intercessors who are totally sold out. And I really think the moment we are in in our nation, we need a small group of intercessors who are desperate, who have the uh, sacrificial heart, who are travailing, who can pray with tears, who have tears in their eyes when they think about the nation. I was in Gettysburg not too long ago, and there was a prayer gathering there, uh, such a strategic place. And the Lord led us to go to the site where Abraham Lincoln gave the speech, mm-hmm. I think 272-word speech. Uh, Written on the back of an envelope. Yes, amazing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the Lord led me to pray like this. Lord, raise up. There were 50,000 casualties between July 2nd, 3rd, and 4th, 1863 in the Gettysburg War. And the Lord led me to pray like this. Lord, raise up 50,000 intercessors who are willing to die for the nation. And I think we need that kind of uh, focus. But status quo prayers, 
will not cut it. Yeah, and, and, we have know, to move beyond that. Absolutely, yeah. and you know this this is not to cast aspersions on things like the National Day yeah. of Prayer. It, it, it's important, but it can also, if we're not careful, can become a distraction because then we think, well, we get together for one big national gathering once a year, and then the other 363 days of the year, it's business as normal. No, yeah. and and to your point regarding crowds too, you know, the Bible talks about a time when there will be a separation of wheat and the chaff. Yeah. And so not everyone who says, but Lord, we cast out demons in your name. We raise the dead in your name. And Jesus is going to say, get thee behind me, Satan. I knew you not. But the other idea, too, is aside from times when Christ preached to large crowds like the 5,000, which was probably twice that number. Mm-hmm. The first century church was largely all small groups, many times operating below the radar screen for fear of prosecution, persecution rather. Mm. And yet you think about the fact that 12 disciples, technically 11 if we take Judas out of the out of the picture, carried a message having witnessed what Christ did on earth during his earthly ministry and through the power of the Holy Spirit completely upended the entire planet, so much so that here we are more than 2,000 years later, you and I sitting across the table, other than a little bit of an engineering background that we both share, nothing else, practically speaking, in common, but held together, brought together by the common bond of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And here we are with the capacity to literally change the world just as the 11 did all those years ago. So I think the notion of trying to gain, gain big... Now, we're going to wait till we get a crowd of 500 to show up to church on Sunday before we pray. No. Even if it's just two or three gathered together, as Scripture yes. says. And so I think the time to get serious with God is now. Because the clock is ticking. Lives are being lost day by day by day. And then the question comes down to, it's not how big our crowds are. It's how big is your faith? Yeah. Absolutely. I think it's, um, if you study revivals, you know, I was reading about Hebrides revival. And it was just two older women mm-hmm. who were desperate mm-hmm. for God to move. So it's not about the crowds. And the good news, Craig, is we don't need everyone on board with this vision, even if there is a remnant. And I believe there is a remnant in America that is praying. And we have seen even during COVID, prayers really go up, Zoom calls for prayer go up. Very good. And it's only the small groups that have brought the revival. In in case of Hebrides, it was just two women, 82 and 84 years old. One was blind. One couldn't walk. Uh, they couldn't go out of their home. But they were desperate for revival. And they were uh, declaring Isaiah 44 and 3 uh, and crying out to the Lord. Uh, they were thirsting, uh, you know, and the, the Lord will really pour his spirit upon the Hebrides Islands. And then uh, these elders, they challenged the elders in the in the church denomination. Uh, they called them home and said, we must be praying two nights a week. Uh, you know, and then they decided to pray 10 a.m. to f- 10 p.m. to 4 a.m. twice uh, in the week. And then they used to get up, sleep for two hours, get up at six and go to work. And two day, two nights a week they will pray. And one night, as they were praying in a barn, you know, uh, one of the elders got up and said, you know, I'm glad we are praying for revival, but how about our own hearts? You know, do we have clean hands and pure hearts? Mm. 
and the Psalm 24, you know, who can ascend the hill of the Lord unless we have clean hands and pure. I'm paraphrasing, but uh, that really changed uh, the focus and, and the revival began. And, you know, and, and the other notion, too, to, to, to kind of put a, a period on that before we take a quick time out, and then I want listeners to be prepared to jot down some information here that we're going to have uh, Pastor Ray and share after the break. But you think about this, too. If you've got great crowds and tremendous gatherings, it's easy for man to take credit. Yes. The Holy Spirit moves and brings about revival, and hearts and lives begin to get changed and you can say it all started with two old women who couldn't barely get out of the house who hath wrought this miracle yeah clearly not them exactly but god the father yeah scripture tells us that god is a jealous god he will have no gods before him and he wants to take all the credit which is where the credit should go anyway and I think the notion of praying and trusting. And if you're somebody out there listening right now that says, Craig, I understand what you and Pastor Brian are saying. I'm right there with you. I've been praying for years that there will be a large gathering. Listen, just keep praying. Don't worry about the numbers. The Holy Spirit will take care of the numbers. All we need to do is be found faithful, repent, turn to heaven Preach his word and trust in him, and God will bring about the increase. Special event coming up October the 1st. Details on that right after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Well, in the course of our conversation here this afternoon with Pastor Cyril Rangan, founder of Potter's Ministries and founding pastor of The Blessing, I, I almost feel as if we needed uh, four days as opposed to 40 minutes. But that said, um, here's where I want you to take some notes. We've been talking about redigging the wells of revival, and I think you very accurately described what that looks like and, and why that needs to be. Let's talk about exactly what's going to be happening in San Jose on Saturday and how folks that have an equal sense of passion and burden for this and recognize, yeah, we've got to start getting serious with God because time is, time is running out. Tell us what's going to be happening on Saturday. Yeah, we are excited about the conference, Redigging the Wells of Revival. It's going to be at our church, the Blessing Church uh, uh, on Seaboard Avenue, just close to the San Jose Airport. Um, the plan for the day is uh, really being in the presence of the Lord and praying uh, 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. It's a fasting and prayer time. And we are going to start off the day uh, with uh, Thanksgiving for America first. I think there is no other nation uh, on this planet like America. And uh, we have to be thanking God for the nation. So that's how we go- we are going to start, you know, enter his gates with Thanksgiving. Amen. And, and then we go into a personal repentance time, Craig. I believe the repentance, as I mentioned earlier, uh, in the interview, that repentance is the key to redig the wells of revival. Yeah, if we want to see and, renewal uh, of the nation, it has yeah. to begin with renewing in our own heart. Yes. And so we are going to spend some time in personal repentance. And then uh, a friend of mine is going to lead uh, the corporate repentance time. And I believe that is going to be very critical. Uh, you know, it's not about pointing fingers, but like Daniel and like uh, Nehemiah, you know, they not only wept and moaned and prayed, they also owned the sin. Mm-hmm. They said, we sinned against you, gods. We are part of the nation. We cannot say they sinned. We have to say we sinned because we are part of the community. And we have to own the, own the responsibility as a church 
so that when we repent we can remove the filth and hit water and um, the lord inspired us this year from genesis 26 and 19 it says and isaac's servants dug again in the valley and found a well of running water there and uh, the lord said dig in the silicon valley mm. and you'll find a well of running water there <laughs> so we are inspired by how the lord led and there is going to be various topics of prayer spiritual warfare revival on the seven mountains praying for revival in uh, different languages uh, racial reconciliation uh, between the uh, african american and the caucasian racial reconciliation between the caucasian and the american indian and uh, in fact uh, one of our persons who is going to lead that racial reconciliation prayer is a mayflower descendant mm. um, uh, and it, we are excited about that you know god has connected us to some amazing leaders throughout the nation and it's all about the vision craig you know this when you are running with a vision you know the lord will connect you to other visionaries amen and who have common ground and then we can build momentum that's why i'm excited about this gathering because there is people flying in from around the nation there is only 120 seats so i believe and there is a it's a prophetic number because the upper room had 120 right. <laughs> and i believe yeah, it's going yeah. to be a modern day yeah. pentecost yeah. on saturday it is a significant event for america i really i i know that and we are going to just cry out to the lord for the lord to come and begin a mighty move of god in here in silicon valley and i think it's going to go to the nations and you know we're we're in a period of time right now of protracted drought yeah and some people think well that only has to do with what's happening with the tap water no 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 there's a spiritual drought that we have been in for a long period of time and if we want to see god unplug that which has stopped up the wells which has prevented that that life-giving water from reaching the top and nourishing a nation um beginning with pre- repentance and 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 in prayer is very key and and I want to say a word too some people I think Pastor Ray and get a little intimidated and think oh my goodness you're talking about I don't I don't know how to pray or you know I yeah I, I pray over the meal with my family but I'm intimidated by all this they think that it has to be done with with great words of flourish and and sounding like King James when you're praying God doesn't ask that at all he just wants the simplistic heart doesn't he Yes that's a very good point you're bringing up not everyone feels equipped to pray but I think um but it's like talking to our father talking to our dad and just have a conversation and just i think the repentance about just saying sorry and saying i'm not going to go there again and just coming from and the heart yeah it's coming from the heart and, and if there are moments anyone of, can do it absolutely yeah. and if there are moments yeah. of 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 silence that's okay too yeah and i think it's and moments just, of just agreeing even though they might not pray they can agree Amen. even agreement is yeah. prayer so yeah, we encourage you to join us in fact uh, we are almost full uh, but uh, but we can create an overflow if more people join um, you know i know there is a pent up hunger for repentance and for prayer and if you is listening to this conversation this afternoon uh, really resonate with our dialogue and you're of like mind and like spirit i want to encourage you uh, to be a part of this gathering again this will be this 
Saturday at 9 a.m. And the meeting will be at the Blessing Church in San Jose. That's located at 2586 Seaboard Avenue in San Jose. Complete details on the web at wellsofrevival.us. That's wellsofrevival.us. And I, I in, in, in closing, before we move along here, Pastor Ray, and I just want to say I, I'm encouraged by your faithfulness and the simplicity of the focus and direction that you're looking at that I hope will really resonate with listeners today and that this will be the first of many steps in the process of gathering the church together, calling the church to repentance, calling the church to prayer, seeking God's face, and then seeing an answer from heaven that God would pour out revival upon the nation, that no man would take credit for it, but it would be clearly attributable to a movement of the Holy Spirit amongst us that would indeed result in that third great awakening, which our nation and frankly our world so desperately needs. It is a desperate need, and I, you you said it right. No man can take credit. Um, I, I think that's the whole idea of humbling ourselves and having a heart of desperation. And, and I love sacrifice. this is happening is generated among in the in the Bay Area Church because remember when God takes a city unto Himself, He always does it through the church, the body of Christ. Saturday, nine a.m., twenty five eighty six Seaboard Avenue in San Jose. You say I'd like to find out more. Go to the web wellsofrevival.us. That's wellsofrevival.us. Pastor Cyril Rayon, thank you so much for being with us today. You're welcome. It's a great honor to be here. All right. We're coming up on uh, 10 minutes before 5 o'clock. A quick time out. Back with more as the Thursday edition of Lifeline continues right here on KFAX. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to the conversation, turning a corner to a different topic. You know, oftentimes when there is dialogue pertaining to the generally controversial and, quite frankly, painful issue of abortion, there are characterizations that women, couples who consider this um, must not, not care about life at all. And I think sometimes we we really fail to fully recognize not only the confusion, but this extreme amount of pressure that sometimes these individuals, these women find themselves in, in trying to really make a decision as to what's the right course of action. At 19, Fatima was the first in her family to attend college. But soon the sight of that great achievement became a place of great struggles. The people that did know I was pregnant, they were more of like, she's not coming back, Um, she's kind of done, and all this stuff. So I started feeling like almost doubting myself too. Like, am I really going to be able to go to school and have a baby? I honestly felt like I was the only one that had ever gone through a pregnancy in college. Fatima left school. She took a semester off to have her baby. Arabella. She is just that like ball of sunshine that I feel like anybody needs every single day. With Arabella's father willing to help, Fatima decided to return to school and beat the odds. Only 28% of single moms enrolled in college graduate. Fatima knew she needed support, and she found it at a booth on the main quad. A booth 
staffed by real options. I finally felt like there was other women that understood what I was going through, not just pregnancy-wise, but school-wise too. The stress that we all have and other like stories that I could relate to for other people to set an example because you can definitely do it. Struggling with life-changing decisions and doing so feeling so terribly alone. Well, the Outreach Ministry of Real Options is helping to provide answers and support. Joining me now is Jennifer Gonzalez, Campus Outreach Manager with Real Options. And Jennifer, welcome. In that example we hear there, uh, yet another woman who finds themselves in a unplanned pregnancy and so oftentimes not knowing where to turn and, and feeling as if there's just no support. Tell us how Real Options is making a real difference. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first off, thank you for inviting me, Craig. I'm so excited to be here. So the College Campus Outreach Program at Real Options is here to support pregnant and parenting students. As I'm sure a lot of us can relate, navigating college alone is a challenging experience. And on top of that, parenting, being pregnant, or facing a pregnancy decision while in college can be an even more overwhelming and isolating experience. So our goal is to foster a safe space and community to support students so that they know that they're not alone in this process. And one of the ways that we do that is by hosting reoccurring mixers for parenting students on campuses to come together so that they can support each other and know that they have a community on campus. And another great example of the support we provide is by serving as an advisor for clubs on campuses like the Campus Pregnancy Support Team at San Jose State University, which has been a registered student-led organization since 2008. And the club is a community of caring and compassionate students and alumni from San Jose State, as well as other community members across the Bay Area who have a passion for serving and supporting pregnant and parenting students. And of course, we lean on the support of Real Options, Obria Medical Clinics, Real Options. Um, And we come alongside students, both men and women, to make sure that they have a sense of community and that they have the resources that they need so that they can not only thrive in their role as a student, but also as a parent. And it's so wonderful that that resource can be available to them right there on campus and and be able to provide the kind of support and the answers that they're looking for. When we talk about this, take us a little bit deeper, as as suggested in that bit of audio that we played. I would imagine that the effects of pregnancy, uh, particularly for a young woman that's just getting started in life and career while attending college, can be very life-changing, can't it? Yeah, absolutely. Many women and men feel isolated and boxed in, feeling like they have to choose between their child or their education. As we heard in this snippet just now, this is just one example of a student. And many more feel so alone and they feel like they don't belong on campuses because oftentimes the college culture doesn't really honor the multifaceted experiences that students have both as parents and transitioning back to school or while they're facing a pregnancy decision. And so it's really important to help create a safe space that helps them make uh, make them feel secure and validated in in that process, whichever route they decide to go on. And we really want to be able to provide that support for students. And a lot of parents are not aware um, that there's so many benefits Um, that they have available to them on campus, especially through Title IX, that can support them 
ensure their success throughout their education journey. And that Title IX, to which you refer, was a um, uh, piece of legislation passed back in the early 1970s that, that really provides protections against discrimination, particularly in the educational environment for, for all individuals, but particularly for young women in, in this scenario. Toward that end, between some of those protections that are offered and the resources available through real options, uh, what are the ways in which we can be involved in helping to support what you're doing on campus? Yeah, absolutely. So first off, I just want to give a little bit more detail onto what Title IX provides for, for those listening. So Title IX can support students with making sure that they get excused absences and that they have the opportunity to make up any missed work um, during their pregnancy or childbirth. And so students really have a peace of mind that they can pick up wherever they left off before they go on their medical leave. And, yeah, there's so many ways that you as listeners can get involved. If you're passionate about student outreach or if you know students who would love to help with tabling on campus or creating a new club similar to the one at San Jose State at their campus that doesn't already exist, uh, I would love to get connected. Um, Some of the ways that you can get connected is by contact me directly directly you can email me at college campus outreach so that's cco at realoptions.net again that's cco at realoptions.net or you could also visit our website directly realoptions.net and there you will be able to find a campus interest form and on our pregnancy and parenting support tab so i'd love to hear from you and connect great way for people to get involved in a very positive fashion and uh, and really provide encouragement and support and we appreciate so much the work that real options is doing but of course this is a partnership in every sense of the term so let me encourage you to go online as jennifer mentioned and get more information go to realoptions.net that's realoptions.net jennifer gonzalez campus outreach manager with real options thanks so much for the update Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.